I just like the fact that the Islanders gave up a lot less of their future than the Capitals did. In the expansion draft, you're looking at exposing a Jordan Eberle or a Josh Bailey. Getting Zajac and, and getting Palmieri will make a noticeable difference in the postseason. And that's what happens when Evan Roberts tweets. Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome to Island Ice, Newsday's New York Islanders podcast, episode 80. And I'm your host, Andrew Gross of Newsday. You can find me on Twitter at agrossnewsday. And you can also communicate with me one-on-one via Newsday Islanders text and uh, any other Newsday staffers who might be covering the team. Please text 631-303-3766. That's 631 631- 303-3766 or go to newsday.com backslash Isles text to start your 14-day trial subscription. And did everyone get through the trade deadline? Okay. Uh, I am speaking to you on a Wednesday, two days after the trade deadline. The Islanders were actually quiet on the Monday leading up to the 3 p.m. deadline, but that's because they had made uh, uh, two deals prior to that. We're, uh, we're a week week off of uh, the Islanders acquiring Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac from the New Jersey Devils, and late Sunday after the, uh, the Islanders wound up uh, beating the Rangers uh, came the news that Braden Coburn, uh, veteran giant defenseman uh, was coming uh, as a depth move. He, he comes from the Ottawa Senators, but you know Braden Moore uh, from the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, he was a member of that cup-winning team last season. In fact, uh, you know, after, uh, I, I think he, in line, he was the third guy to skate the cup around the ice, and that was, even though he only played in three of the Lightning's playoff games, uh, he was the third guy to get it, and uh, I, I think that speaks to the respect that Braden had in that room. Uh, certainly a longtime flyer. Actually started out with the Atlanta Thrashers, if anyone remembers them. Uh, I, I certainly do. I loved my trips to Atlanta because I got uh, two of my former college housemates who live in uh, Atlanta, and that was, uh, you know, getting to see them twice a year. Um, so I, I certainly miss Atlanta uh, being in this league. But uh, anyway, yeah, you know, Braden Coburn comes in with a, with a, a ton of respect and uh, one of those guys that Lou Lamarillo feels will, will fit right into uh, the, the, the team's chemistry. But what We'll get to all that in a minute. Just looking ahead real quickly, as I said, I'm I'm speaking to you on a Wednesday, and uh, that means the Islanders have actually had a you know a little bit of a break here after their you know breakneck schedule, playing 18 and 33, and uh, they finished up a four and six on Sunday night. Uh, you know, three and four, four and six, finish up that six game homestand. And now they have a back-to-back in Boston on uh, Thursday and Friday, and it's another three and four uh, as they also play in Philadelphia on Sunday. So three more tough games coming up for this team. That's a given at this point. I shouldn't even say that. Everything here on in is going to be very, very tough. And, uh, you know, you've seen it. If the Islanders are even a titch off their game, it turns into this, you know, will they or won't they? Uh, they you know, they were, 
lucky to escape with points uh, against the Flyers um, after blowing it to uh, a lead, and uh, uh, that 3-2 game with the Rangers was certainly certainly could have gone either way. Another game where the Islanders, uh, you know, had a two nothing lead in the first period, and and another bad second period, and. Uh, we know the numbers, uh, you know, at, at this point, they've been outscored 39-29 in second periods. But if you eliminate all the games against the Buffalo Sabres, um, let me see if I can do math in my head. So if it's 39-29, uh, they have actually been outscored in second periods 37-19. to I believe that is the tally, 37 to 19, which is a significant, significant goal differential. Um, and that's against any team not named the Buffalo Sabres. Um, so they, they, they head to Boston, back to back in Boston, a game in Philly on Sunday. And then they, uh, the next stretch, a stretch of six games is three against the Capitals, two at home, and three against the Rangers, uh, two at home. And that, takes them through May 1st. And, uh, you know, if you look at those Islanders-Capitals games, they those those three games very, may very well decide whether or not the Islanders can finish first in, in the East Division. But, you know, regardless of whether they finish first, second, third, fourth, wherever, you know, as long as they qualify, right, the main thing will be that the Islanders are playing their best hockey of the season when the playoffs start. Um, they, they have to get more consistent. They have to get more 60-minute efforts. They have to learn how to hold on to these leads. Uh, the power play has to be more effective. All these things we need to see over the next month. Um, and, and you got you know, you got approximately this month to get Palmieri and Travis Zajac fully integrated into the system. And, and we'll see where it goes with Braden Coburn. Uh, obviously Barry Trotz has, has stuck to those top six, you know, three lefties, three righties, um, uh, for, for every game that all six have been available, the exception being the eight games when Noah Dobson was in COVID protocol. Um, other than that, he is gone with Pelic Pulak, Letty Mayfield, and Green and Dobson. Um, and, and we'll have to see where Braden Coburn fits into that. You got to think that he's a, he's a seventh defenseman, and that probably pushes Thomas Hickey back to being an eighth defenseman. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think, you know, we see Sebastian Ajo again at this point. Uh, so uh, let's review what, what Lou Lamarillo did leading up to the trade deadline. And then uh, I, I have some audio from both Lou Lamarillo and Barry Trotz uh, regarding uh, the moves that were made and how that impacts the Islanders. But uh, as I mentioned, you know, the first thing Lou does is he acquires Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac from the Devils. And, you know, we all know Lou ran the Devils from 1987 to 2015. Uh, Travis Zajac is certainly one of his guys. Drafted Trav, um, you know, nurtured him through his career. Uh, incredible regard for Travis Zajac, the player and the person 
uh, Lou Lamarillo has. And, uh, you know, Lou, if Lou has shown anything, you know, going all the way back to 1987, it's, it's that he's very, very loyal to his guys and he, he likes that kind of familiarity. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think it was a surprise that he managed to get Travis Zajac, especially considering he went for him last season when he brought in Evan Green. Uh, Evan Green, jeez, listen to me. He brought in Andy Green, and, and that's what happens when Evan Roberts tweets something, and I'm looking at the screen immediately as I'm trying to say Andy Green's uh, name. So that was that conglomeration there. But yeah, so he gets Andy Green last season. He tried to get Travis Zajac, um, and, and Trav w- did not want to move his, uh, you know, wave his no trade, no movement. Uh, I forget which one of the two he had, uh, but he... He he basically said he was not going to be moved. Um, this season is different. Um, he's you know he's going to be a, a, an unrestricted free agent as Kyle Palmieri is going to be at the end of the season. So you know I, I asked Trav about you know why now why not last season and uh, Trav just said at, at this point in his career um, he wants a chance to win and and the Devils are not making the playoffs and they're in the midst of a rebuild that. It really has been ongoing since Lou's team got to the Stanley Cup final and lost to the Kings in 2012. Um, from 2013 on, it, it seems like it's been a, a constant rebuild uh, for that franchise. First under Lou, then under Ray Shiro, and uh, and and now under Tom Fitzgerald. So. Um, Lou reaches back, and I should, while, while Trav was his guy, you know, Lou certainly knows of Kyle Palmieri, but that was a, a Ray Shiro deal from the uh, Anaheim Ducks, so uh, Kyle, uh, more of a Ray Shiro guy with the, uh, with the Devils. So the deal was Palmieri and Zajac for a first rounder, which, you know, the Islanders make the playoffs, it's not going to be any higher than a 16. You heard Devils GM Tom Fitzgerald say, he hopes it's number 32 uh, because he wants to see Palmieri and Zajac win a Stanley Cup. And that pretty much tells you everything you need to know about what kind of guy Tom Fitzgerald, the uh, the ex-Islander, is. Um, so it was uh, that first rounder, uh, a conditional fourth rounder in 22, that becomes a third rounder in either 2022 or 2023 if the Islanders reach the Cup final uh, along with minor leaguers. A.J. Greer and Mason Yopst, who, uh, with with absolutely no disrespect intended towards either one of them, uh, they were almost certainly not going to factor into the Isles' NHL future, and, and both of them will have a better shot of playing NHL hockey uh, in the Devils organization. And then Lou sends a seventh rounder uh, uh, to uh, to the Senators for Coburn. So, you know, it, it really feels like the Islanders were able to to bulk up for this season without mortgaging their future at all. And it, to be fair, it was a fair return for Fitzgerald and, and the Devs. Um, you know, they couldn't work out 
their desired extension with Palmieri. And uh, let's be honest, uh, Palmieri certainly wanted to stay with the Devils, but, you know, they, they could not agree on term or, or, or money, and uh, the Devils couldn't risk losing him for nothing. So uh, the Devils, again, in a full-blown youth movement, as uh, they're now the youngest NHL team. Uh, they're, they're younger even than the Rangers. Um the Islanders this year have uh, the Avalanche's second round pick and uh, also their picks in rounds uh, three through seven. Now, we're, we're all assuming the Avalanche, who are one of the uh, the strong cup favorites this season, I, I would say them, the Vegas Golden Knights, certainly have a good chance. The Tampa Bay Lightning uh, are certainly up there. Uh, you would have thought the, the Florida Panthers might have been in that group before the Aaron Ekblad injury. Um, and, and then really, I, I think you have whoever comes out of, uh, you know, uh, the East Division. Um, you know, it, it, uh, like I said, you know, I can't guarantee the Islanders are going to get through the first two rounds of the playoffs, which I think are going to be a bear in the East Division. But if the Islanders do make it to the NHL Final Four, uh, I, I think they have a, a really wonderful chance of winning the Cup this season. Um, so, yeah, you, you know, uh, and, and look, so giving up that first rounder this season, look, given how COVID has impacted scouting and junior hockey and, 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 the, and the players who are going to get drafted and, and the ability to get really good looks at them. Um, you know, this probably isn't a bad year not to have a, a, a ton of picks or a high pick. Um, you know, th- that's just my thought that, you know, and, and that's not just in hockey. I think you see that in other sports as well. Everyone is saying that next year's draft is going to be, you know, the really good draft compared to this year. And and that has nothing to do with the quality of the players. It has to do with the quality of being able to scout the players. So uh, we're, we're going to get to some clips now from uh, Lou Lamarillo on the moves he made. And, and we'll start here uh, with what he knows about Braden Coburn and why he wanted to acquire Braden Coburn. In Braden Coburn, what we do get is an experienced defenseman who has size and strength, has played in this division, as we all know, as far as uh, when he was in Philly, and so he knows a lot about it, but he has tremendous character and knows his role and accepts it. So we couldn't be more delighted uh, than to be able to get him. So as I mentioned, Lou made that trade uh, for Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac on, on the Wednesday before uh, the Monday trade deadline. And as Lou said, you know, he was he was proactive uh, about it. He got those guys in. And those two guys, you know, they, they're playing in Jersey. They're local. No quarantine necessary. Come in, test. You're good to go. They, they played the next day. Um, a little different with Braden Coburn. He had to drive down from Ottawa, coming from Canada. You know, he's he's in the NHL's COVID protocol right now. Uh, and until he clears, he won't be able to skate. Uh, Lou thought that would be about a four or five day stretch once uh, Braden Coburn arrived in New York. Um, 
So, so Lou makes that trade late Sunday night, um, and then there, there was nothing else uh, done on a Monday. That does not mean that Lou was not active on the phones on Monday. It was widely reported that he did circle back on uh, Taylor Hall, and we'll get to that in a little bit. He, he circles back on, on Taylor Hall, can't get that done. So here's uh, Lou on, on not making any additional moves on deadline day. Certainly, if there was something that, you know, would have helped us, would have made us better, uh, we would have done it. But, uh, as you know, we tried to proact and, you know, made uh, some additions uh, earlier in the trade deadline period. Uh, and we're comfortable right now. Now, if you read what I wrote, I I had pushed for the Islanders and Lou to try and get a righty defenseman in. Um, instead of Braden Coburn's a lefty, because I thought that would shore up their depth really well. Um, you know, Thomas Hickey is a lefty, and then, you know, you bring in a righty, and you have four lefties to pick from and four righties, and I know Barry really likes that lefty-righty mix, as most coaches do. Uh, so I asked Lou about uh, going for Braden Coburn as a left-hander compared to uh, trying to bring in a righty defenseman. Well, I, I think we were trying to find the best defenseman uh, that we could to play that support role that he will play, and and he was the best. If the best was a right-hander and we could have made the transaction, we would have certainly done that. Now, I also asked Lou on, on the big picture of where the organization is. As I, uh, as I mentioned, Lou did not mortgage the future to, to bulk up for this playoff run. Well, I think we're quite happy with the big picture. I think that, uh, as we've always said, you have a five-year plan and it changes every day. And certainly that depends upon how your team performs during the year and where you feel you possibly can go. And you try and maintain as many of your quality prospects as you can. And I think we're extremely fortunate here. If you look at the people that we have between our NHL roster, our taxi squad, and two or three and maybe four prospects in the minor that we feel will play in the NHL, uh, I, I think it's pretty good. Um, and certainly there's another uh, young man who will come over uh, after his playoffs who is signed, and that's uh, uh, Sauer. And Lou was also asked about how the flat salary cap, which was at $81.5 million, um, how that impacted the trade market. And remember, the only reason Lou was able to make moves here, uh, as he did, the Devils retaining 50% of both Palmieri and Zajac's salaries, is because Anders Lee is on long-term injured reserve, which gave uh, the Islanders the flexibility to spend uh, that $7 million above the cap ceiling. And, uh, you know, they were already above... Uh, with Johnny Boychuk being on uh, uh, on LTIR with his six million dollar cap hit, so uh, here's Lou on on how the money affected the trades. Well, I think the the cap was a a major played a major role in every team in the NHL that made a transaction today. Uh, I don't think there were many hockey. There were certainly no major hockey trades. And when I say a hockey trade, that is with players who have years left at, in their contract. Uh, I think there was maybe one or two uh, of, of those transpired. So there's no question the cap has played a role in it. Uh, but, you know, and also 
where the free agency was because of where the teams are and the players that were in free agency and what they would cost that team. So that's exactly what transpired this year. Uh, it was hopefully an anomaly uh, because there's nothing like hockey trades, which we used to have in the past. Uh, but all we could do is just focus in on our own team and how we can get better. And uh, Lou was also asked about, uh, you know, acquiring rentals, which for now, that's what you're, uh, uh, you got to consider Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac and, and Braden Coburn uh, with all on expiring contracts, how acquiring rentals and, uh, you know, how that fits in into this uh, this summer's expansion draft with uh, the Seattle Kraken, and then the, the, the chances of maybe re-signing one, two, or three of these uh, trade acquisitions. Uh, you know, we have a unique uh, year other than the flat cap uh, and the type of year we've gone through. Uh, we've got expansion. So expansion will determine some of the decisions you also make. Um, but these players that we've acquired, uh, we have not said that we would not consider re-signing them or bringing them back. A lot will depend upon, you know, how things transpire between now and till the end of the year. So that was Lou Lamarillo on uh, on what he did prior to this trade deadline. And we'll, we'll get some thoughts from Barry Trotz on, on the trades right after this message. Get the latest on the New York Islanders when you sign up to receive text alerts all season long. Newsday's Andrew Gross will text you real-time analysis and behind-the-scenes reporting for $4.99 a month. Go to newsday.com slash Isles Text to get started or text 631-303-3766. That's 631-303-3766 or online at newsday.com slash Isles Text. And as promised, uh, uh, Barry Trotz uh, also had some thoughts when asked about what Lou Lamarillo accomplished before the trade deadline. And, uh, you know, what Lou did, you know, there, there was a trickle effect because uh, he he acquires Palmieri and Zajac. And then you look and, uh, you know, the, the Penguins go out and get a Jeff Carter and the Capitals certainly went for it with, uh, you know, getting Anthony Manta in from the, the Red Wings and uh, the Bruins getting Taylor Hall. So uh, Barry Trotz was asked how closely he was watching what the other teams in the East did prior to the trade deadline. Well, yeah, everybody's competitive. So you want to see how they, well, uh, improved and, and also the areas that they, they improved. So, and as I mentioned, Barry has really stuck with his his six defensemen all season, except for that time Noah Dobson was on COVID protocols. So, uh, uh, I asked uh, Barry just you know what the plans were for incorporating Braden Coburn into their defense rotation, if if that was going to be uh, a possibility. Yeah, very similar. Uh, let's let's get them here and skating and get to know them. I, I know, but his uh, teammates get to know him and, and all that. And I'm sure with uh, you know, look, we've got a, a few back, a couple back to backs. We've got some some teams that are, you know, all the teams in our, our division are big. I mean, Washington's got bigger yesterday with uh, with their with Mantha and Roffle. Uh, I think Boston got a little bit bigger. Uh, you know, we, we've added two guys that make us a little bit bigger. Um, so, you know, and Pittsburgh did with Carter. So, um, you know, a guy like Coburn might be, 
might be very, uh, you know, might, might fit in really well against some of those teams. And finally, the the one guy really who is seems to be out of the mix here, uh, just because of the roster. Uh, you know, Kiefer Bellows works his way back into the lineup on uh, on Sunday at Leo Komarov's expense. Um, but right before the trade, Kiefer Bellows was in the lineup uh, against the Capitals and played a really really strong game. But then him and Oliver Wallstrom were out of the lineup. Uh, you know, Bellows has not come back in. Uh, Wally missed uh, the two games um, and, and then got back in on Sunday. As, you know, Barry talked about roster flexibility, not wanting to expose anyone to waivers to get him onto the taxi squad. So, so Barry gave a, a pretty long and thoughtful answer on, on how Kiefer Bellows has handled the adversity uh, the personal adversity of not being in the lineup and maybe, you know, adversity, frustration, whatever you want to call it, and where Kiefer Bellows really stands within this organization. I think he's handled it as like a pro, actually, uh, to be quite honest with you. Um, he understands that there's, you know, it's it's a process and you have to do it night in and night out. Uh, and, and really, uh, you know, the timing's everything. He got back in the lineup, I thought his best game, uh, maybe uh, as a pro was his game against Washington. I mean, he was matched up against uh, the Ovechkin line. He was physical. He was on the puck and all that. And then we had some changes and, uh, you know, roster wise and whatever. And, and, uh, you know, he gets bumped down. I, I, I've told him to his face, uh, you know, if you, if you ever are not playing well, go back to that game. Cause that's, that's how you have to, that's how you're, you're going to have success playing. And um, he's handled it like a pro. I think he's he's a young, maturing player. You know, there was rumors, I like you reading all the stuff that his name was involved in in some deals. And I was, I'm like, thank God we still got him. I think he's a really good player um, for us. So um, he's 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 continues to grow as a pro. I like his compete. He can shoot the puck. Uh, he's got good good detail for a young player. Um, his skating, which is probably a knock on Kiefer a little bit, uh, has gotten much, much better. So I, I think he's going to be a real good pro for a long time. And just like you have to wait for players to, to mature, no different than Michael Del Cole. I think Michael was playing his best hockey and then he got injured. So, um, you know, I, we were talking earlier in this conversation about, you know, wanting things right away. Uh, sometimes they don't come that quickly and you got to, you gotta let them simmer a little bit and let them develop. And I think Kiefer's, uh, just like Michael has continues to, to develop and I, they become really good pros. So that, those were Barry Trotz's thoughts on what transpired heading into the trade deadline. We heard from Lou Lamarillo on, on the trade moves. How did the rest of the league do, do, um, before Monday's 3 PM trade deadline? Uh, you know, we we know Boston got Taylor Hall, and as I said, the Islanders were in on that, and and almost certainly they probably had a better offer on the table than the second rounder and Bjork, who who went to the Sabers. Um, plus, the Bruins got back uh, uh, Lazar from the uh, from the Sabers, but it also. It was quite clear that that Taylor Hall wanted to play in Boston, and with his no trade and and contract stipulations, he certainly dictated what the Sabers could and could not do. 
Um, and, and as I mentioned, the Capitals made a huge move getting Anthony Manta from the Red Wings and Michael Roffel from the Flyers at the expense, though, at some of their future. Uh, the, the, the trades being for Manta, you know, they the Caps send uh, Richard Panic and, and Jakub Vrana and a first-rounder this year and a second-rounder next year uh, to the Red Wings. And that's a big give uh, to get Manta in. But, uh, you know, for this season, you, you got to say now that I, I, I think with Manta and, and Raffle will help too with the depth. I, I, I think, you know, uh, the, the, the Capitals are, are going to be really tough to beat out for first place in, in, in this division right now. And the one, again, the one area, if you remember a few episodes back, uh, Samantha Pell from the Washington Post was on talking about the Capitals, and we were discussing the Caps' uh, goalie situation uh, with Vitek Vanasek and, uh, and uh, Samsonov, um, and whether the Caps were going to go out and get a veteran in, and, and they did not. Um, so, you know, you, you go into the playoffs with uh, Vanasek and uh, and Samsonov, really two inexperienced playoff goalies for the most part. Um, so, you know, and, and I know also this week, Henrik Lundqvist, uh, you know, called it off, said, you know, he's got inflammation around the heart, so he will not be able to uh, make it back. Um, so the, the Caps are rolling with what they got. The uh, Penguins get Jeff Carter. Uh, from the Kings for a uh, third-round pick in 22 and a fourth-round pick in 23. Uh, that's Ronnie Hextall's first deal as the Penguins GM, and both those picks are conditional. They move up uh, depending on how the Penguins do. Um, here, here's a big one, and, you know, you worry about the Lightning. You know, they're the cup champions, and they're so good on defense. You know, McDonough and Victor Hedman, who's going to win the Norris Trophy. And uh, now they get David Savard uh, from from the Blue Jackets. And Savard was one of those right-shooting defensemen that I really thought the Islanders should have should have uh, targeted or, you know, and, and that's not saying Lou did not try, but he, you know, that that's a big haul for uh uh, for the Blue Jackets, they get a first rounder and a third rounder, and uh, it's a three way deal. And the Lightning also give up a fourth rounder to the Red Wings. So I, I, I really like that deal for the Lightning for the right now. Um, and then we we didn't talk about, or I didn't talk about the the Canadian division in, in terms of who might be a Cup contender out of that division. And it certainly seems like the Toronto Maple Leafs. Are, are the cream of the crop up there. Um, and they get uh, Nick Foligno, the Blue Jackets captain. And, you know, uh, he was another guy. You know, uh, if you if the Islanders had gotten Nick Foligno instead of Kyle Palmieri, I would have been fine with that as well. Um, you know, just a, a hard-edged player. I, I, I like what that does for the Maple Leafs in, in the playoffs. Um, they, they give up a first round pick and a fourth round pick and actually two fourth round picks, uh, to make it a three way deal. So for the right now, I, I think the Maple Leafs are better and, and they're a strong cup contender for sure. The way they can score, um, and, and you know, Campbell's giving them good goaltending. So, uh, you know, out of the North, you got to worry about the Maple Leafs. Um, the Panthers get Sam Bennett, um, from the Flames. 
And they also get Brandon Montour, like Savard, another right-shooting defenseman, who I, I, I think the Islanders should have been in on. Uh, there was a lot of general awfulness watching the Sabres this year. Um, but every time I watched Brandon Montour, the best way to put it was he was not awful for the Sabres. I actually liked his game, and I think he really could have helped the uh, the Islanders. Um, and, and certainly, he's a huge get for the Panthers, as I mentioned, Aaron Ekblad injured. So, an under-the-radar move, which I think is going to be huge, is the Colorado Avalanche. As I mentioned, uh, one of the true uh, cup contenders, they acquired goalie Devin Dubnik. Uh, Dubnik, uh, you know, obviously had a wonderful run with the Minnesota Wild there for for a time. You know you can trust this guy. And uh, last season, you know, the Avs... Uh, injuries to both Grubauer and Fran- Francouz in, in the playoffs. Uh, that that was kind of all she wrote for the Abs in the playoffs. And uh, you know, and Francouz is on long-term injured reserve right now. Um, the the Avalanche do have uh, Jonas uh, Johansson, who they got from the Sabers um, as a backup. Devin uh, Dubnik is, is a a huge step up there. I, I think that was one of the better <laughs> trade deadline deals, honestly, um, for, for what it's going to do heading into the playoffs. Um, and, and also, much earlier, the Canadians beefed up by getting Eric Stahl from the Sabres. You know, Eric Stahl is not, you know, who he was in 2006 when he's winning a, a Stanley Cup with the Hurricanes. But, you know, on a third line, I, I think he, for the Canadians, I, I think that's a really good get. Um, really good character guy. So uh, I really like that avalanche move. If, if I had to grade, you know, who did the best at the trade deadline, I, I think the Islanders are up there. Um, you know, I think you grade what they do certainly as an A. Uh, that would be an A for Andrew. Um, I, I, I certainly think the Islanders are up there uh, amongst who did the best going into the trade deadline. I think you would say the Caps were up there as well. Um, I just like the fact that the Islanders gave up a lot less of their future than the Capitals did uh, for this run. Um, really liked the Lightning getting David Savard. Um, really liked that. Um, and, and again, you know, I, I really think uh, the Avalanche made a huge get uh, in, in solidifying their goaltending there. Um but uh, that would be it for my, uh, my going over uh, uh, what happened. And, and now we'll uh, kind of look forward with some Andrew's Answers. It's time for your questions with Andrew's Answers. First three come to me via Newsday Islanders text. And we'll start with our friend Joe Hunsberger, who says, Lou mentioned that it would be possible that the Islanders might try to sign one of the three guys or all of all three of the guys that they picked up in the draft, which you know Lou is never going to rule anything out. Um, I, I think the chances of all three guys being re-signed are, are pretty slim. I, I think Kyle Palmieri certainly signaled that he's looking for one more major payday. Um, you know, by not signing an extension with the uh, 
with the Devils, um, you know, Braden Coburn and, and, and Travis Zajac are probably, you know, them, them being, uh, you know, 35, 36. Um, they're certainly probably looking at one-year deals in the future. But uh, Joe's question is, they can't do anything with Andrew Ladd. Um, you know, Lou probably is going to try. Um, and, and hoping that they can dump some salary in the Seattle expansion draft, which I think they will. Um, you know, so basically the question is, you know, how, how do you fit in those three guys? And yeah, you know, uh, you're going to, somehow you're going to try and deal with the Andrew Ladd situation and, and, you know, with him playing one game this season, uh, that may be long-term injured reserve. Uh, you know, it may be a Johnny Boychuk situation where, you know, Andrew Ladd and the Islanders make the announcement after this season that he cannot continue his career. Um, no guarantees on that. You know, Andrew Ladd may may strongly want to continue his career. Um, you know, so, so we'll see uh, about that. Uh, but like I said, I, I think long-term injured reserve is a possibility for, for Andrew Ladd. I, I think in the expansion draft, you're looking at exposing a Jordan Eberle or a Josh Bailey and, uh, you know, getting some cap flexibility that way. Um, and, and if that's the case, if you can get from underneath Andrew Ladd's salary and you can get, you know, uh, eliminated, it would be hard. You know, you, you don't want to lose an Eberly or a Bailey. Uh, but if those are, you know, five, five and a half million dollars that you're going to need to uh, re-sign Adam Pellick and, and uh, Ilya Sorokin and uh, Casey Zizekas is coming up as a unrestricted free agent. So, uh, you know, still, I, I don't see there being the money moving forward to, to re-sign a Kyle Palmieri. Um, it, it just, it, it's a matter of how many moves Lou can make. Uh, Michael Tricarico says, um, do you see Zajac staying on the top line with Barzell and Eberly? I like the fact that he can take draws instead of Barzell, but is that really the right spot for him? And yeah, you know, I, I think Barry really likes the face-off angle right now too. But I, I sort of agree long-term. I, I, I think Travis at, at this point in his career, and you know, you saw for the most part with the Devils, he's he's probably more of a third liner at this point than a top liner. I, I think the move maybe um, is have Travis on that third line, centering that third line, and maybe maybe the move is to move Pajot up to Barzell's wing, and and then Pajot can take the faceoffs for Barzell. Uh, I I could see that in the future. Um, Michael Fernandez says seems like the second line has been a problem uh, on and off all year. Any changes coming to that? And uh, you know. Not right now. I, I I think the change would be getting Oliver Wallstrom onto that line uh, and getting uh, Wally into the top six. Um, and, you know, if you make the move to uh, put Pajot with Barzell, maybe that's when, you know, you put Bailey with... Uh, with Zajac on the third line and you move Wallstrom up with Nelson and Bo. Um, I don't think that's imminent. Um... Doc Ed says the Isles have three days of practice. If we don't see Palmieri with Barzi on Thursday, Friday, should we assume that Barry doesn't view him as a fit there for the foreseeable future? 
I think most of us assume palms would be on the first line, but maybe it's about getting acclimated. And, you know, I, I don't think, you know, it certainly sounds like uh, Thursday, at least, it's going to be Zajac with, uh, with uh, Barzell again. Um, I don't think that rules out using Palmieri at a future date uh, up there with Barzell. Um, but on the other hand, like I said, you know, I, I don't think it rules out other things. You know, I, I, I certainly could see a third line of Zajac, uh, you know, Palmieri, maybe Dal Cole in, in that spot. You know, uh, we'll see. I, I know there's a lot of parts now. Um, and, and, and Dal Cole has to get healthy. Like I said, uh, you know, I, I don't think you're taking Anthony Beauvillier out of the lineup. And, and maybe you move Josh Bailey, like I said, down with Zajac and Palmieri uh, on a third line. And you, you, you play Pajot with, uh, with uh, Barzell and Eberly, And then you have Nelson, Wallstrom, and Bo. And, of course, the fourth line is not going to be changed up. But uh, I could see it morphing into that in the down the road, but I, I think in the immediate future, uh, you're going to see uh, Zajac with Barzell. Um, Adam P says, "Will the New Jersey additions really make a noticeable difference in the postseason, or is it more redundancy?" Uh, the Bruins, Caps, and Pens also made moves. Uh, it's hard to reevaluate reevaluate where everybody stands again. And uh, no, I, I think. Getting Zajac and, and getting Palmieri will make a noticeable difference in the postseason. Uh, Palmieri, you'll notice it certainly on the power play, or at least that's the hope. And 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 also five on five, you know, he he'll go to the crease. I mean, the playoff games are are brutal battles, and uh, you know, I, I know Kyle did not play a lot of playoff games with the Devils. I think the sum total was five uh, since he was acquired from the Ducks, if I'm remembering correctly. But I, I think he'll relish a playoff chance, and, and you will see a driven, hard-edged Kyle Palmieri, and I, I really think that will make a noticeable difference, particularly since the whole reason they're, they're here is because Anders Lee is injured, and you're looking to replace some of what Anders Lee brings. Uh, Jeff Scott says, with the off-season cap crunch looming, what roster moves would you make to have a shot at re-signing Kyle Palmieri in the key RFAs? Well, like I said, I mean, you're you're going to have to get Lad's contract out of here somehow. You you probably have to lose either or Bailey and Eberly, and, and, and you know, even if it's just Lad and uh, and uh, and uh, Lad and uh, Bailey or Eberly going, I I don't know if that's enough to get you know, Palmieri and the uh, restricted free agents signed. You might have to look at moving an Anthony Beauvillier, whose whose contract is coming up, and uh, possibly even, you know, I know Scott Mayfield is not on a, a, a huge deal, but uh, you might have to look at moving him as well. Um, it's going to be a lot of robbing Peter to pay Paul uh, to get the, the players you need signed, signed at this point. Um, Isles Train says, uh, when do you think we will hear of Colin Adams signing and when will uh, Robin Sallow be en route? And uh, my best guess on Adams would be the uh, kind of uh, 
overarching uh, general blanket statement of any day now um, uh, with his senior season at North Dakota over. Uh, Salo, uh, Lou Lamorello said, would come over as soon as the Swedish Hockey League playoffs conclude. Took a peek at that. His team, Arbro, is in the quarterfinals right now. And at last glance, they were leading their series two to nothing. So uh, Salo is probably not in any day at this point. Um Chris says, Bruins, Pens, or Caps, which one is the toughest playoff matchup for the Islanders? And, you know, I guess the knee jerk would be the Caps, right? If you think they're the favorite in the division. Um, But you just look at the records, and the Islanders have had a bear of a time with the Penguins for whatever reason this season. I know that's the team they swept in the playoffs a couple of years ago, but right now... um, the matchup against the Penguins has been hard for the uh, Islanders. So I would probably, uh, that would be my pick there. Um, Jack Anton says, will Lou Lamarillo make a deal with Seattle, Seattle, a lad in a first rounder? And if not, who gets left exposed and ultimately claimed? And, and, you know, as you heard me mentioned, I, I don't think Seattle bites on an Andrew lad unless, you know, they really, you know, it's going to be a low, not a high first round pick and that's a lot of you know lad still has years on his contract seattle probably is going isn't going to be that desperate to get to the uh the the cap floor so i i don't see them taking on an andrew lad uh not even you know for with a first rounder um as i keep mentioning the Islanders are going to dangle Josh Bailey, and they're going to dangle Jordan Eberle, I believe. Um, and we'll see uh, which one uh, Seattle might you know, prefer uh, if it goes that way. Lou Lamarillo, and not Lou Lamarillo, the L-O-U Lamarillo, but uh, a Twitter handle, Lou, L-E-W Lamarillo, says, with Casey being one of the harder contracts to get done this summer, behind Pellick, Sorokin, and Bo, was part of the thinking in adding Zajac that he could re-sign with a low cap hit and fill the fourth line center role. And I, I don't think you're off base with that at all. I, I really don't. Um, I could certainly see that happening. I, I, I do think Casey, um, the, the Islanders are going to have trouble. Uh, and I think the RFAs have to be the priority. Uh, Pellick, uh, specifically Pellick and uh, Sorokin. Um, and that's that might cost anywhere from, you know, 8 to $10 uh, million combined uh, to get those two signed. Um, so... Yeah, I, I, I could certainly see Zajac if he likes it here. I know he doesn't want to move his family all over the, uh, the continent. So I could certainly see uh, that being a possibility. Um, Mike says, uh, how inept does the power play unit have to actually get in order for the Islanders to finally move Josh Bailey off of either unit? And um, my answer to that is I, I don't see it happening. I, I, I think the Islanders, and, and I'm not going to get into a long discourse uh, on what the fans think of Josh Bailey's game compared to what the organization thinks and what the teammates think of Josh Bailey's game. We know, you know, where everyone sort of falls in partisan voting on that one. I'm just saying I 
do not see Josh Bailey being taken off the power play. I, I, I really don't. And, uh, you know, I, I think the best chance of Josh Bailey not being on the power play next season is if the Seattle Kraken uh, select him in the expansion draft. And uh, we will finish with Oleg the Malfeasant, who uh, throws a couple of curveballs, um, he said he did not want to ask about the lines because uh, he figured everyone else was going to ask about that, and it was pointless at this point. But he he asked a bunch of questions. I'll get to two of them because they, they tickled my uh, reporter fancy. Um, what are the odds uh, the Belmont season patch will include a horse? And how many horse racing puns have I, uh, Andrew Gross, stockpiled? Well... I I honestly don't think there will be a horse on the patch. Uh, I don't know why I think that. I, I just I think it will be more, um, you know, a UBS arena. I think it will be the, the logo will have the arena and not a horse. Um, but as, as for how many horse racing puns have I stockpiled? Well, look, clearly... If the Islanders win their first ever game at UBS Arena, everybody's lead, everybody's lead will be that uh, something along the lines that the Islanders broke cleanly from the gate. Um, if a breakaway, if a player, you know, uh, doesn't convert on a breakaway, I, I can write so-and-so stumbled in the last furlong. Uh, if they get rid of a big contract, say lads, I, I can write that the Islanders cashed out. Um, but no, I haven't thought about this and I haven't stockpiled too many. So, uh, listen, thank you so much for taking this, uh, ride with me as we talk about horses. And, uh, that's it for episode 80 of Island Ice. Uh, I'm your host, Andrew Gross on Twitter at A Gross Newsday. You can find everything, uh, uh, all the content, Islanders content on the Newsday website, newsday.com backslash aisles. You can subscribe to Newsday Islanders text and communicate directly one-on-one -on -one with me uh, by texting 631-303-3766. Or you can go to newsday.com backslash Isles text to start your 14-day trial subscription. And until the next episode, happy hockey, everybody.